Good morning, Lansing. It's Saturday, it's 9 a.m., and the pet experts are in the building. This is the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS and 1320WILS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen. Welcome, pet keepers, to the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, here with my co-host, the pet expert himself, Mr. Rick Pruce. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Lee. And joining us in the studio is the other pet expert. Uh, we've made an effort to improve the intelligence of the show, oh boy. and basically it means that I'm going to talk a lot less, and Will Schultz, you're going to talk a lot more, because when it comes to <laughs> this topic, you've just got great contributions, so welcome to the studio, Dr. Will Schultz. Good morning, Rick and Lee. Uh, hey, you bet. You bet. You know, I was... Uh, it's been a strange week for humans wa- walking around Lansing and having this cloud around us, but I thought nobody better than you could probably look at it from the Dr. Doolittle's, I'm a doctor, uh, I, know, I, I know what these guys are experiencing yeah. kind of point of view. I had a friend call and said, is it fog or smoke? Oh, no, people, this is smoke. And you would have thought we had uh, some rain during the week this week, and you'd think it would clear it, and it actually got a little worse after the rain we had. So the things that you have to be careful of, if you're out walking uh, with your dog and you have respiratory problems, one, you don't belong out there, or wear a mask. Dogs don't wear masks very easily outside. So be aware to keep their visits short. If you have an older dog, a lot of older dogs have pulmonary or cardiac problems, and same with people with pulmonary and cardiac problems, uh, this air is not good to be breathing, and the less you are outside, the better with that, and also the heat. So you have two things. We have very, very humid weather and a lot of smoke. So this is making it very difficult. If you go on your phone, there have air index that you can look at, and you can see when the air is better and safer to walk. But if your dogs are used to being walked outside, go ahead and take them out. Just go for a much shorter walk, a less exerting walk, uh, and not a problem. If you have an older dog with breathing difficulties, uh, be very, very careful. Keep that dog cool. Uh, uh, the cool, dry air, if you have a dehumidifier in the house, is fine. The other thing is when you're outside, uh, most houses, furnaces have filters. Make sure your filters are clean. And what a lot of people don't know is that your car, if you're driving with your pet or just you, there's a cabin filter in the car that I didn't know about till my wife found one. We were talking <laughs> about that earlier. But it's a little one that's under your dash, usually by the glove box. If you haven't changed that in years, this is the time to either change it yourself or have it changed. Um, the other thing that we were talking about, too, with Rick is uh, birds are very sensitive to this kind of heat sure, and, and sure. Uh, fire and smoke that we're having. Yeah, they are more delicate, yeah. very thin membrane, very, yeah. you know, you, physiologically you'd probably better understand why that is, but I do know that they, they can have a substantial issue with their lung capacity and that's the, the old bird in the coal mine. They're yeah. way more sensitive to toxins in the air than we are. And this is a very, very toxic air to have for those birds. What, what physiologically is it in the air? What, what is it that it's doing to us physiologically? What's in the air that's causing the problem? Well, a lot. So you can have allergies. to The, the smoke will upset things in your lungs. So it'll cause uh, like edema. It'll cause extra fluid in your lungs, makes it harder to breathe. If you're an asthmatic, <clears throat> be sure you're using your inhaler on days like this and taking your medication. And if you're just a mild allergy, Allergy person like me, I've noticed in the last couple of weeks, I'm taking my Allegra more often than I was before. So be careful to protect that. And if you find yourself, you're coughing more uh, or you're coughing and it's waking you at night, that's time to call your family doctor. 
or your allergist and, and discuss that with them. And real quick before we get to our show, what about the noise that's going to be happening here on the 4th of July? We have a lot of noise that's coming up that we'll be dealing with during the week. And try and protect. We will be talking about that next week on a show. But this week is you can take your t- dog to a quiet place. You can give medication. There are different medications. There are over-the-counter medications or even dog treats and dog foods now that are made to help keep your dog calm. With CBD. Yes, yeah. correct. Now, this week, I think we've got a real treat for you Incredible. there, Dr. Schultz. <laughs> this is so we're going to talk about our, our classroom activities, but more than that, we're going to talk about some pretty fun activities that children, uh, and I would imagine at least half of the people out there listening to the show, have either children or grandchildren, are going to have a an exciting opportunity for them if they want to just listen in. Yeah, yeah. and even if you're not a child, um, this is... Go to the child's events. It's okay. Well, when you think about it, during the summertime when the kids are off of school and you're looking for things to keep them occupied and at the same time, you'd also like to think that they're still trying to learn. They're still trying to use their brains a little bit even though school is out. And what sometimes you don't realize is the joy that they can get from being at a program at Proust Pets because just the environment alone is one that creates a natural excitement because Boy, when you walk in there and see it, and I'll be the first to say it, I was in this week picking up a fish, and I got to tell you, as I'm looking at all the colors and reading it, it just absolutely yeah. looks fantastic. So, well, uh, anytime you can ra- rally around animals, uh, maybe a classroom has one pet and they all rally around it. What if, what about a store that has like? I don't know, hundreds of pets. Thousands? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Count the fish, too. I mean, yeah. there's a whole bunch. It just it makes for a great event. So today we're going to talk a little bit about that classroom and what you do with it. And we have talking about it, your daughter, Kirby Proust. We also have Sean Murphy, who's going to be in to talk a little bit about it. And we're going to introduce somebody new, Maria Rising. And she has brought us some very interesting dinosaurs. And uh, she also taught us something interesting about Dr. Schultz. Uh, So sparkles with that, we're going to get started and get the program (laughs) rolling this week on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show here on 1320 WILS. It's the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. Here are your hosts, Rick Pruce, a man possessing unparalleled animal care expertise, and Lee Cohen, who also here. Back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And we have with us this week in the studio a returning guest in Kirby Pruce from Pruce Pets. And she has brought us a new young lady who she has met and obviously has some great things to talk about and ask. Uh, her name is Maria Rising, and she is the owner of Mr. Mox Hammock company. And it's so good to have you in the studio with us, Kerbay and Maria. Thank you. Hi, thanks for having us. Oh, our pleasure. Kerbay, can you share with our listeners, you obviously met Maria and you must have had some meeting because she's here in the studio for the pet show talking about classrooms and education and what have you. Tell us how did this this meeting take place? 
Yeah. So um, I first want to say my dad reached out to me last night and said, well, hey, will you be on I didn't, the show? I didn't want to do it this morning. I thought I'd give you so, plenty of time. It was actually three thank months you. ago. But yeah. um, I'm also going on no sleep because I have a toddler. Um, I wanted to bring a friend today. Maria, I would consider more of a friend. We have gotten pretty close over the last just few months. Um, I actually met her in the store at one of our aquascaping classes that we held. Uh, she had this bright, shiny energy, was wearing the coolest fish shirt, and was probably the most enthusiastic attendee at the actual seminar that we held. Um, since then, we've had many moments where we've both said, are you me? What? What is happening? <laughs> um, she's a small business owner. She's highly creative, as you can tell, by all of the dinosaurs on the table. Um, and I really wanted to bring her along today because the topic you asked me to talk about is how we're growing our classroom at Bruce. And recently, Maria and I have had several conversations about all of the different classes we're going to be holding at Bruce. Um, and, and she's just been a friend and somebody that I can just create brainstorm with, and I think that she'll have some fun insight to add today. Um, but I also just, I want you to hear her story. I think she's a really amazing person. I think that our journeys were brought together for a reason. And I think that when we talk about Proust Pets and us being part of this MidMichigan Pet Expert talk show, it's all about sharing the community and the people we meet and people that love pets. And Maria is just one of those people. So I want you guys to meet her. <laughs> Hi, Maria. Um, so I've been a Proust customer for almost 10 years. When I came here to get my animal science degree at Michigan State, I came to Proust because it's an animal place and I love to be around animals. I've always had plants and fish and dogs and cats. And I'm also a crazy horse person. I have horses. And I love all that. I went to school, got my master's in animal science. Also in my PhD, I work with animals as well and how they connect with people and help people learn other skills other than just, you know, animal keeping. They help you with emotional things, all of that. So I love animals. I worked at MSU teaching leadership, teaching all these different tasks for a very long time until about two years ago in which I had a stroke in mm. my 20s. Wow. Yeah, it's a life-changing experience, I will say. So, well, to share with us, uh, you know, life-changing. Certainly, the last thing we want is somebody in their twenties to have a stroke. That was probably as alarm to the whole family, to everybody that you know and and care about you. Um, how does that how does that change you? It changes you like dynamically, and it still changes me today. Like okay. it's a long-lasting thing, and. Um, a lot of people can think of the physicality of like the changes, which I'm extremely lucky that I didn't have a lot of detrimental physical changes in my life. Okay. But emotionally, I really was like eyes open to like, I want to live this life that makes me happy and brings fulfillment to not only myself, but to like everyone around me. Like I, I did live a good life before, but like I want to see my friends more and my family more. And I want to, you know, validate people around me like, you know. Rick and Kerbay that like they do this wonderful business and I want to tell them about it and I want, love to be parts of that too because you bring so much joy to other people and I love creating and making these dinosaurs because they make me so happy but like they also make other people happy too and like I that was almost taken away from me now I just feel like everything should just be fun and joyous because that was a lot for wow. me. Wow yeah. And, and what what people can't see in the studio is we have 
five dinosaurs on the round table in front of all of us. Dressed beautifully. And they're all dressed up. Uh, they have uh, interesting outfits on all of them. Uh, Kirby mentioned it, but didn't you people out there can't see the tails and the teeth and the horns and the <laughs> colors uh, that, that are, uh, we're having a really good time in here today. <laughs> well, and let, let me talk about these dinosaurs and why she brought them here, okay? So this was another one of those serendipitous, we texted that night, oh my gosh, you're doing that too? So I messaged Maria and I said, hey, one of the new classes we're going to be offering at Proust Pets is a bearded dragon tea party. So kids can come out and they can meet a bearded dragon and we're going to have tea in Rhea's courtyard over at Old Town General Store. And she was like, oh my gosh, look what I'm doing right now. I'm putting dresses on these different dinosaurs and I'm just doing a craft. And I was like, Oh my gosh, your dinosaurs need to come to our tea party. <laughs> and it's just stuff like this, whether it's oh we're wearing gosh. the same outfit or going through a life situation. So um, we had a meeting just last week about planning our new bearded dragon tea parties that we're going to be holding at Proust Pets. Um, and we're going to do them in the courtyard. If you guys have never seen our neighbor's courtyard, Old Town General Store, it is absolutely beautiful. Just Rhea does a phenomenal job. And that's another connection we had too. Uh, Maria's hammocks that they make um, are actually in Old Town General Store. They sell them there, and so we both know Ria. And it was just another neat, you know, situation that we all kind of came together. So that's the story about why the dinosaurs are here. Any tea party in her um, back area would be a fun tea party. Oh. It's just a gorgeous area. Rio is associated with Vanetta's. Uh, for many, many years. Uh, she is Vanetta's uh, for, in, in many ways. And so she has this way of like making her courtyard just feel like, I mean, the courtyard is not all that big, but within those small confines, you feel like you've just escaped to paradise. Mm -hmm. And so these dinosaurs and dragons, I think it needs to be dinosaur and dragon. There you go. Yeah. Uh, dinosaur and dragon tea party. Yep. There you go. So... Uh, well I, I, well, I was going to say that maybe I'd, it sounds a lot better than a dungeon. And usually <laughs> when people are thinking Dungeons of dragons, dragons, that's what they're thinking of. But my question for you is, during this tea party, what do the kids learn uh, when the animal's there? I mean, you can explain this is a bearded dragon, but what other effects can they learn? Because I don't think parents necessarily understand the value of exposing their children to them and literally the explanations that go with it because that's the thing that I think is magical that you and Sean and the other folks at Proust really bring to the tables. Not just here's what it looks like, but the other details. So talk a little bit about and, that. And, and also what ages is this for? Well, now it's for adults, too, because I started talking about it, and we have adults that bring their bearded dragons in, and they were like, I'm feeling rather left out. Is this, so to, is this also a bring your bearded dragon day for also? For anyone. It's, <laughs> that will be a part of it, yes. Yeah. So, and it, it goes back to what Maria already talked about. You know, She has worked with the human-animal bond and understands from an emotional standpoint the value that animals bring. You know, In her case, talking a bit about horses, in ours, talking about a bearded dragon. Um, I want to shine a little light on, there's a little girl named Allie. Um, she has been a customer at Proust since she was a toddler. Her mom's been bringing her in. I'm really good friends with her mom. Allie was our featured artist for Arts Night Out at 
Proust's Pets last month. Allie's art is that she makes clothes for bearded dragons, actual bearded dragons. So she actually knits little party hats and um, dresses and shirts. And she has this amazing bond with her bearded dragon that you can just see and feel. It's amazing. And her bearded dragon, you watch, it's kind of like an emotional support animal. When she has her bearded dragon, this level of confidence and empowerment comes through. It's her best friend. She takes him everywhere with her, has him on her shoulder, and and is running this little side business that's really empowering her as a young little lady. And it's beautiful to see. And so I asked Allie if she would be one of the people who runs our new Bearded Dragon Tea Time. And she just jumped at the opportunity with excitement. And Maria and I have both talked about, you know, watching Allie with her bearded dragon and doing these tea parties, there's a real sense of empowerment to it. We want especially young girls to see that they can embrace the unique things about themselves, their love for reptiles, their love for things like dirt and mud and just getting out there and doing the things that aren't just what we call girly, right? Um, And just being proud of what those things are. So I would say, you know, what this tea time brings is um, empowerment for our youth and also a sense of getting together and having a shared interest, which is our animals, which are so important. That's, that's going to be a fun afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> and when is this going to be? Uh, so our first one is going to take place on Saturday, July 8th at 11 a.m. Wonderful. And, and is it uh, at this point kind of a limited seating type situation. I know you want to do more of this. So um, is it kind of a first run? Let's see how it works out. This first one is a first run. We've got a couple people we've sent private invitations to so nice. we can really nice. see how it goes. And and you can relate to this being a veterinarian. A big thing for us is always safety, health and safety of the animals. So the first one, we're going to have Allie bring her bearded dragon and show her bearded dragon off. And then we're still in the works of crafting how it will work if you bring your pet in. Right, um, but right. Allie's bearded dragon, who's a celebrity, um, will be there and she'll have outfits and we'll be showing off those outfits and Maria will be bringing her dinosaurs and we're just there to have fun. So we'll see how it goes and then we'll build it from there. We'll be in our like best party attire. Hopefully yeah. some like fancy dresses, pretty hats, like right. having a great afternoon. And, we, and, we, we need a live recording of this so people <laughs> can kind of just jump in and, yeah. and, and enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be a fun afternoon. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, when it comes to the classroom itself, Kirby, I know that you've done a number of other programs as well in there. Uh, tell us very briefly, uh, how do you schedule these? How do people find out about them? I mean, how, how should people look for what you're doing? Because I just think, who, who would have ever dreamed of a dragon tea party? I mean, I just don't think that's something that, oh, I know it's taking place. I should look when and where. I actually <laughs> think the Mad Hatter is the first one that set that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just I'm wondering, Kirby, where you would direct people to find out about what kind of events you've got going on so they can keep up and participate. Yeah, and that's a whole segment in itself going over all of our programming. Um, but for right now, your best bet is to check out our social media and then check out our website. 
Okay, very good. And let me ask you the question, Maria, because bottom line is we heard about your experience and what it's Mm -hmm. taken you through. Obviously, it's made you have more of a sense of urgency and appreciation Mm -hmm. for different things. If you could share with people how important as you were going through that process and adjusting and dealing with the mental issues as well as the physical, how did your animals and your pets help you through that situation? I mean, talk about that relationship. Um, They're really important to me. Um, So I've always had like fish tanks and things like that and horses and my dog and my cat, like I, uh, big, big thing I had was I couldn't see very well. My eyes had, you know, double vision. So I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't text. I had a hard time talking at first too. So I felt trapped. Um, and my dog and my cat would just kind of sit with me and, uh, people would talk with me and come over. But like when they weren't there, I'd have like the animal with me and it was great. Um, but a big shining moment for me emotionally with an animal was with my horse. I couldn't ride for a very long time and I'm a very competitive rider. And then it was a big step for me to be able to like go to a big competition and ride and like mark that I was like progressing. Wow. And uh, my horse definitely carried me through because I was not functioning as well as I normally do. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Well, we need to take a quick break. But when we come back from this break, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, some of the upcoming events. As Kirby mentioned, there's a lot of stuff that goes on at Bruce and we'll talk about it right here on 1320 WILS. Rumors said the dogs won't chase parked cars. Never met Rick Bruce and Lee Cohen. They're back on the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. 1320 WILS. It's 9.35 and we're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And we've been talking this morning about utilizing animals as a part of teaching when it comes to, and it's not just children, as Kirby pointed out uh, in the last segment, that a lot of times the adults want to participate just as much as the children do. But Kirby, if you can start us off and talk a little bit about some of what you've done in the past in the classroom because I know you've done educational programs for Girl Scouts. I know you've done programs when it comes to elementary school kids and things like that, but share with the public the different things that you've done in the classroom because I know it's not even just in your classroom. that You've actually created a road show that you can take out to the classrooms when it comes to using the animals in order to teach the kids. So talk about it. I love it, a road show. Um, <laughs> yeah, awesome. let me tell you about That's my awesome. road show. Okay, so um, we have a classroom at Pierce Pets. If you've never seen it, go to our website. We've got some really good pictures up there now. Um, what pet store has a classroom? We do. Education is so important. And teaching through having fun is what it's all about because that's really what sticks. Um, I had a teacher in the store yesterday, just yesterday morning before we opened, we had um, 40 middle schoolers from Potterville at Pruce. Um, I worked with the teacher to create a lesson plan um, focused on what it was she was trying to teach them. And halfway through, she pulled me aside and said, these kids are having so much fun, like more than they've had when we've tried to go to other places. And I said, well, that's really what we try to bring because that's 
what gets them excited to learn more. Um, and so we, our whole goal is just educating kids about animal responsibility, about the human-animal bond in a really fun way. Um, so we've been doing programming at Proust Pets through birthday parties and our classes for over 10 years, well over 10 years, uh, in our classroom. And we had to take a little bit of a hiatus during COVID for safety reasons, but now we're back at it again. And we have a really fantastic team working to make it happen. And we have a lot of different programs. So where do you want me to start? My road show? <laughs> oh, I love that idea. So when you when you pack up for the road, do you have a, a, yeah. a van full of uh, dinosaurs? Uh, what, what, what do you take? <laughs> well, well, we don't fun. just let, let the listening audience know when we talked about the dinosaurs on the table yeah. or the ones you bring up. <laughs> There aren't really dinosaurs. No. I just wanted to make sure. Dressed up or otherwise, these are plastic, okay? I think I thought mine moved a little while ago, but I'm not sure. But but we do have well, I guess we have dragons. Yeah, it's close. I mean yeah. Yeah. Well and so let's talk about that. Educational outreach, right? Um so I need to talk a bit about Sean. Sean is one of our educators and we are very, very lucky to have Sean. Uh, I know he's been on the radio show before, but for those who aren't familiar with Sean I want to tell a little bit about his history. So Sean worked at Proust Pets about 15 years ago. Uh, he was working at Proust Pets while he was in college, and he was a very, very hard worker, very passionate about reptiles, and his ultimate goal was to become a zookeeper. So he actually moved down to Tampa and worked at the Lowry Park Zoo doing animal education and working with mainly alligators and Komodo dragons. So, so he um, had this amazing experience down there, um, worked as a keeper for a number of years, and then life brought him back to Michigan, uh, where he also worked at one of our local zoos here. And then one day he came into Bruce and he was talking to me and talking to my dad and we had a conversation that basically led to creating a fantastic position for him. So we actually have someone who is a zookeeper and has tons of experience uh, working in animal education doing our off-sites. So actually right now um, he is off at a uh, Offsite presentation at MSU, and then he'll be coming here. Um, but he's doing a presentation for students, and he packed up. Uh, he's got a ferret. He's got an 80-year-old South American red-footed tortoise. He has Sue, the royal python, and he has a shell tapusic, which is a legless lizard. So um, I'm sure they're having a great time, and uh, yeah, he'll be here. So <laughs> that's well, awesome. And it's always nice. Passion is there is no substitute for passion. None. And uh, you can tell people what to do, how to do it. With Sean, you just plug him in and everything good happens. So uh, his interest in connecting with children, his interest in, you know, letting people that don't understand what these unusual animals are or what they're about or the environment that they live in or fun facts and such, you know, that's his like his tools to get through and to connect with those individuals so that they actually, you know, they learn something. But more than that, they get enthused themselves and they, it creates passion in them as time goes on. It's it's so fun to watch. Well, I think a lot of people that, I, that I've seen uh, think that um, like some of, the, some of the animals you have, they're, they're inanimate, but they're not. 
they're 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 busy. They they, they interact like you're talking the bearded dragon and the girl at the store. Um, you look in the cage and it's just kind of sitting there quietly. Well, they are cold blooded. They are they they got to get warmed up to move around a little bit, and um, but they do interact with people. It and, it, it and so much reminds me of we used to have the cricket counter near. <laughs> a a, um, a bearded dragon display, <laughs> oh. and somebody brought their bearded dragon in oh. to get their crickets. Oh. And then I was walking by with our pet bearded dragon yeah. in the tank, and mm-hmm. as he saw that other bearded dragon, he just jumped up and did all the fun, interesting, head-bobbing dialogue yeah, yeah. kind of stuff that you would ever imagine. And it, it's it's you don't it, it gets you to break out of your shell and realize, hey, this is an animal with you know feelings, thoughts, ideas, mm-hmm. inclinations, in, in mm-hmm. you know it, it what, what's its basic instincts right. and you get to see that all come out and kids get to see that kind of oh, stuff. Yeah. It's like that's like the bearded dragon going by the crickets like me walking by double stuff Oreos. It's the same kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell us a uh, uh, short I don't want to run out of too much time. I'd like to we'd like to get Sean on here, but I'd also like to talk more about, you know, uh, birthday parties, um, the Girl Scouts, those type of things. Yeah, so we have a strong partnership with the Girl Scouts. We have for years and years. Um, I personally have a soft spot in my heart. I used to be a troop leader for an at-risk troop here in Lansing. And so we do a lot with programming for the Girl Scouts. We have an animal habitats class. We also have a pet responsibility class. Um, And then there's a couple others that we have in the works as well. Oh, and I can't forget it. I'm the one that teaches it. We also do animal <laughs> yoga, um, which is yeah, a blast. Get away. Come so, on. Tell me about um, it. So you want to hear about animal yes, yoga? Yes, yes. All right. So um, I've been teaching since 2008. It's been my really lifeline. I love yoga. Um, it's helped me personally. And uh, I also grew up in Peru's Pets. So I just kind of blended the concepts together, and we have a great time. Um, my animal yoga is a bit different than what you've probably seen go viral on social media. Um, I'm very focused on making sure that there's respect for the animals. So the animals are the reward. They are what comes out once we work on what it means to create a calm space for the pets. Um, it's not just animals running around. It's um, the, the ability, yes, to interact, but kind of in a different way. That's the reward. Um, but we use Sue, the royal python. We use Riddle, the Sheltapusic. We use a sea star. Um, we have Wendell, the ferret, who what animal isn't better at yoga than a ferret, right? Um, and then we also use the red-footed tortoise, Fred, who's 80 years old and a really good yogi. He meditates better than anybody. So. And he's been yeah. doing that for 80 years. He's been doing yeah. it for 80 years. Awesome. Yeah, yep. he's kind of like Yoda. Yeah. You know, he's just so like, I, when, you th- when you think about that, I think of the little geckos, not the ad on TV for the insurance, but the gecko where they walk and hold one foot up in the air and then freeze. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's like they're doing yoga all the time, I think. <laughs> We, we have a lot of fun. And my, my favorite one, honestly, and this was actually my dad's idea, is how we do yoga with Sue, the Royal Python. So what I do is I have all the kids line up their mats on one side of the classroom, and I have them all lay down. And I say, here are the instructions. You can't, you don't have any fingers. You don't have any arms. You don't have legs. So zip them together. You don't have any toes. Now I need you to make your way all the way over to me on the other side of the room. And they giggle and they look at you like you're crazy. 
crazy. And and then so the whole lesson is how amazingly strong snakes are, how they move with serpentine movement, how everything contracts. And we talk about their skeletal system. It's really cool. So um, that was actually one day he goes, just have them lay on the floor and tell them they can't move. And then I had to create a lesson around that. So that's my favorite one, honestly. And you're a great teacher. And in, in my brain, so. I can just see all these little kids going around the room like little garden slugs trying to make it across the room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's definitely a fascinating uh, experience, I'm yeah. sure, <laughs> for the people who do it. Uh, we need to take one more break, but when we come back, we'll bring Sean Murphy into the conversation to continue to talk about just the, the great education programs and how animals can play a part of it right here on 1320 WILS. Welcome back to the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. We're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And for this segment, we have joining us here in the studio, Sean Murphy, who, Sean, I'll tell you, you were introduced in a glowing way before you got into the studio. So not to put you under a lot of pressure, but boy, to hear the folks in here talk about it, you're one heck of a teacher when it comes to <laughs> having animals in a classroom and making sure the kids learn something. Uh, you know, I, I try and it, it's, it's from years and years and years of being in the store and learning from Rick, learning from Kerbet. Um, you know, other people have been to the store throughout the years like Steve and then some people in the past. So it's uh, Rick always talks about it's like it's a backpack and you keep putting books in it. Um, and when you pick up stuff from other people, you're picking up a knowledge book, you put that in your backpack for later. And that's just kind of how I ended up where I'm at. Yeah. And uh, I think the point to be even in that analogy, the most important aspect to all of that, it's not what you put in the backpack. It's fill it up as full as you can. It's really what you've got going back and forth and connecting and wanting to connect with those that are there. And your backpack is just the tools for which you can use to make that happen. Mm -hmm. So just today you were out <laughs> with your backpack, so to speak, and your animals. Tell us a little bit about today's adventure. Yeah. So today's adventure uh, was out at MSU. Um, it was a tennis camp, uh, but with the weather being it is right now, they brought it inside and I had an hour-long presentation. Typically for a one-hour presentation, I bring five animals. I try to do somewhere around 15 to 20 minutes per animal with chances to ask questions. Um, and I try to vary it up. So I do fuzzy and scaly. And I always tell the kids, I'm like, all right, we're going to do fuzzy first. Then we're going to do scaly, back to fuzzy, back to scaly. Because you always have people who are afraid of one type of animal or another. So I kind of like put it out there ahead of time that here's the chances. It's not going to be all stuff that you might be afraid of. There's going to be something for everybody. And then in the off chance that somebody is really afraid of an animal, when I bring them out, I break it down and I say, okay, here's the reasons to not be afraid of this animal. This animal is more afraid of you than you are of them. They can sense your emotions. So let's everybody take a deep breath. Let's calm ourselves. And then you'll see that the animal will be calm. Um, especially in close quarters ones, like uh, if I'm at a smaller school or like even in our classroom, that tends to work out really well, especially when a group of kids are like really wound up. I'm like, all right, all right, everybody chill out, deep breath in, slowly let it out. And I make them do that three times. And then all of a sudden everybody's cool again. And then we can get like right back into it. So, but today's group was like pretty fantastic. I didn't really have to do much other than a couple of times tell them to make sure they scooted back because they kept... Inching forward and forward and forward towards me, like, dudes, I need a little bit of space. So, so, what in your life 
brought this to you to do? Um, oh, man, that that is a mixed bag. It um, is for sure. That's a big one. <laughs> uh, my dad was extremely passionate about animals and about nature. Um, I grew up in the UP, grew up hunting. Um, so some of the best conservationists are actually hunters. And Absolutely. so my dad was a mixed bag of both. And I remember in his later years, he actually never really shot anything. He just liked being in the woods. And while he was out there, he let me explore. He let me catch anything I could. And from the minute I could walk, I was catching reptiles. And then being that my family was the weird family where we lived and that we were the animal people, I always got asked questions. So I just got used to answering questions about animals, especially since we did animal rehab. Um, and then working at Proust, it was like, you're just putting a giant sign on your back because all of a sudden everybody recognizes you. And especially if I go to like Meyer, like still wearing my work shirt, I'm stopped like every 10 feet, like, nice. oh, hey, this has been going on with my cat. Hey, I saw this thing in my backyard. It's like, all right, cool. Yeah. So I've been doing that for a while. And then <laughs> it's just like, you get all these experiences that just kind of become a stew yeah. and they all get mixed together that just kind of creates this one big experience for you. So you were in Florida for a while? Yeah, I was That's in Florida for three years from, I think it was 2012 to 2015-ish or so. Um, and I was a zookeeper at Tampa's Lowry Park Zoo. Wow. Um, so I was a herp keeper there. I, I trained Komodos, Crocs, gators, um, worked wait, with wait, venomous wait, snakes. Wait, trained a gator? Yes. Yeah, and a Komodo. Komodos have spit that's not good for your body, right? Yeah, typically Sorry, a wild one's going to have somewhere around three to four dozen uh, different strains of both Staph and E. coli in their saliva. Don't in captivity, we, we estimate that it's anywhere between like uh, a dozen to a dozen and a half strains. Which isn't good for you. No, no, not at all. Uh, I've been on the receiving end of it from like a baby. Um, the most part is just you scrub it multiple times a day and make okay. sure you're clean. Okay. Now, now I go back. How do you train an alligator and, and do, you do, do they do high fives? Uh, uh, do do? Actually, yes. So, no, get out of here. No, not even kidding. So uh, they are easier to train than dogs. They are so food oh. motivated. And one of the things that happens is uh, people think of reptiles as being dull and stupid, and they're not. Their brains just work differently than a mammal's. And you can't judge a fish's intelligence by its ability to climb a ladder. So you start doing your training and your conditioning sessions based on that animal's abilities. So um, gators, uh, actually a pretty good sight and they have, they have pretty good hearing. And so you target train them first. So you get them to realize that if they touch this object that's a certain shape or a certain color, that there's a reward. And so you bridge it with a clicker. And I've... Literally, I would be in a gator <laughs> pit with a dozen gators, <laughs> yeah. and within three or four sessions, I had them all trained by audio and visual cue. So I could walk into my gator pit, I would clap my hands twice and say, come on, gators. And they would all splash down the water, they would line up in front of me. And what I started doing is using hand signals. So when I wanted them to come close, I would literally pull my arm forward and they would come up and they would come towards me. And if they got too far, this I could so use funny. a stop signal and I would like hide the food and hide my hands and they would realize, okay, I'm not getting food, something's wrong. Well, do they ever want to eat the stop signal? Uh, every <laughs> once in a while, like the first couple sessions, uh, but um, they're very sensitive on their noses. Are, are so they would, happier if they're fed, by the way? Oh yeah, way <laughs> okay, happier. Right, okay, that's, that comes to part of the motivation. But you literally, you just get a pole with like a, a softball on the end of it or like a ball of socks and you just yeah. lightly tap them on their nose and that would get them to go backwards. Oh, so I started coordinating man. that with a hand signal and they learned to go back in the water. So then they started learning forward, back, oh, stop. No and then I would do a hand signal like this. I could get them to open their mouths and shut their mouths. 
There you go. So I would have 12 <laughs> gators lined up in front of me. I could individually have each one come up to me, give them their food, and tell them to go back. Yeah. Oh. Well, I definitely know that if you question if Sean can teach your children, if he can teach <laughs> alligators. Oh, the gators are way easier and, than the kids. And still have both hands. <laughs> and by the way, he does have all of his hands <laughs> and fingers. Everything's I there. So I, I have no wow. doubt about that you can do that. Now, Sean, when it comes to kids coming in there, what should they do to prep for a classroom session? What knowledge would it be helpful that if they came in with that they could get more out of the experience? Um, a lot of it, and, and, and granted it's kids, but there, there comes a point where they have to learn to like relax and calm themselves down and focus. And depending on the age group, that can get a little bit hard, but it's something I try to get every kid to do with breathing exercises. I lay down the ground rules right from the get-go. If you're too rambunctious, you're hawking out a turn, you don't get to see or touch the animals. It's leading the, the horse with the carrot. Like you give them something to look forward to. And then if you take that away, all of a sudden <laughs> they're good. And I always tell them that everything is about a community, right? We have to take care of each other. So if we're all being quiet and we're AC animals, but you're talking out a turn, I tell all these guys, you got to keep your neighbor in check. And if you do that, then we're all going to be copacetic. And that actually, that method works really well because then all of a sudden that rambunctious kid in class, everybody's like, Timmy, be quiet. Timmy, sit down. And then like, he's feeling it like, all right, cool. I need to like chill out now. So the animals uh, are bringing on the peer pressure. Oh yeah. <laughs> so just uh, before we run out of time, uh, we do do birthday parties. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's worth noting because, uh, well, every child has a birthday. Our birthday parties, I think, are a blast. They're my favorite thing to do besides going to old folks' homes. Um, those are like my two favorite things to do right now in education. Uh, the birthday parties are fun because it's a great mixture of entertainment and education mixed. The parents are like glad the kids have a place to go and they can see all these animals and absorb it. Um, and at the same time, you can kind of trick kids into learning by making it super fun. So I intermix facts with them being able to touch the animals. But at the same time, I'm a giant kid at heart, so I just get goofy with them. And so I reciprocate their energy and reciprocate their attitude. And so if they want to be snippy, I start doing it. We get sarcastic with each other. And I'm like, okay, okay, let's get back on track. Let's do this. And the next thing I know at the end, they're telling me facts that I had already given them, and they didn't realize they had learned out of it. So I do this thing where I take them around the store, they get to see the entire store and its layout. I have one or two hot spots, I call them, in each section. I take one or two animals out. I have some cool facts about them. And then we take them back to the classroom where I take out another handful of animals and I let them get up close and personal. And then for the birthday kid, it's always their special that I let them hold our big snake, Sue. So I, I let them all know that because then it's like the kids can go home and tell their parents, be like, the birthday kid got to hold the snake and it was their special thing. And then it's like, you know, maybe they'll like come back and they'll want to do it too. So <laughs> do your SpongeBob voice before you finish. Oh, so we have a section in saltwater. That's uh, all the SpongeBob stuff set up. I always ask the kids, I'm like, hey, what's this? It's like, everybody recognize it? And they're like, it's SpongeBob. I'm like, I can't hear you. <laughs> and they're like, SpongeBob. I'm like, are you ready, kids? Oh, who lives in a pineapple under the sea? <laughs> and then I get them all singing with me. And the next thing I know, I have We're all about group. to do the same thing yeah. right now. Well, they're, <laughs> they're all ready to go at that point. Well, Good Sean, word. your enthusiasm is contagious. And I've got to say, based on Maria's response to Wendell, obviously the animals are too. So it's a really 
really great draw. But unfortunately, we are out of time for this week. So on behalf of our producer, Bruce Warner, uh, Rick Proust, and Dr. Schultz here in the studio, this is Lee Cohen wishing all of you a great weekend and a great week ahead. Please, please take good care of your pets and beware of the loud noises. We'll talk next weekend and have a great week. Thank you.